the specially called ad hoc committee of the South Carolina House heard testimony yesterday on new abortion legislation in South Carolina. What was said in the building? What was said outside of the building? The fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina is on the road in Lexington, South Carolina today. With that, we welcome you into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson here with you on the first edition of our summer road trip series. We are here in the town of Lexington. It's actually a bit closer to me than downtown Columbia, in fact, from my home. But it's Lexington not for you, but that's not that's for okay. Mitch, but that's OK, because we are going across the state over the summer, visiting different churches and, and really setting up shop there to have the conversations, Dave, that are taking place at the restaurants right down the street. Yeah, I was at breakfast this morning uh, with our friend Todd Atwater. And you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're standing in line, uh, when you're at a local restaurant, you hear the conversations that are going on. And it really helps you to understand where people are. What are the real issues that they're talking about? Yesterday, the South Carolina House of Representatives had a hearing on the abortion uh, bill that they're wanting to bring forth what we call the trigger law in South Carolina now so South Carolina now has a heartbeat law that says if you have a heartbeat it's the responsibility of the state to protect your life and with that we now have uh, our General Assembly is looking at what can we do to put additional restrictions on abortion in South Carolina to, to make us a abortion free sanctuary in America as opposed to what we see in New York or we see in in California, where it's an abortion vacation destination right. states. So what I want to make sure we understand here before we get into this, we're, we're going to start with what happened outside of the building. We'll start there, then we'll move inside the building, because it was about seven hours of testimony yesterday. Seven hours of people with about three minutes. I, I actually texted the, the chairman of the committee and told him, I'm going to have your voice in my head saying thank you for your testimony yeah. for the next week. <laughs> I think he said it about 150 times. Yeah. At least. So it was a long day, and we're going to try to break down some of the highlights and the lowlights of what went on and try to make sense of the arguments that were made on either side. But, but Mitch, I want to make this point really quick. Dave mentioned the bill. If you search H5399 on the State House website, the bill's very much blank. Right. It just says as to prohibit abortion, period. That's it. That will probably actually be changed oh, when yes. they actually sure. put pen to paper or fingers to keys and determine what should go in the bill. So I loved yesterday the number of people who said, I've, after reading this bill, having read this bill, you showed me you didn't read the bill because the things you cited are not actually in the bill. Well, as we've talked about on the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, there's a lot of confusion confusion surrounding this issue from the Dobbs case to Roe to what's going to happen here in South Carolina after Roe. There's so much confusion surrounding this and people have read the heartbeat bill and thought that's what they were dealing with. They've read the trigger law that Senator Cash and others have brought forward and said that's what this is all about. Others have read 5399 and said that's what this is about. And yes, that's what this is about, but you're totally right. It's blank. There's nothing there in the text of the bill. And there's a process that has to happen before this bill even gets brought forward to the committee. And that's part of this process right now was hearing that public testimony yesterday. And you're absolutely right. There was a lot of public testimony about the bill. There's nothing in the bill. Right. And so the confusion surrounding this, we hope to clear up some of that. 
today. That's the goal, but we start outside of the committee hearing because we went to the state house grounds yesterday in an effort to pass out water because <laughs> if you're for whatever reason watching outside of the state and welcome to the greatest state in the union south carolina in july hot a little bit hot the only thing separating south carolina and hell in july is a screen door that's it <laughs> that is it so we walk down to the state house from our office building which the address shall remain nameless here uh <laughs> we we walk down uh a few blocks with with cases of water 24 yeah. bottles of water in a case several student interns and we're yeah. grateful for their help yeah. we started passing out water to everyone because everyone. in romans 12 it says that if they're hungry you feed them if they're thirsty you give them drink and jesus actually says what you've done for the least of these you've done also to me right that actually was mentioned in the committee hearing side the point we start handing out water there is a, a tented area right in front of Strom Thurmond's statue, which I find just poetic. And they're creating signs, I guess, but Mitch, you, a few others, start handing out water. And um, the person who organized it, who I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, uh, no holds barred today, is a Richland County Councilwoman. She represents, I believe, District 5 in Richland County, the St. Andrews area. Um, Mrs. Councilwoman Taraccio is her name. She decides that her people aren't allowed to have water. I don't know if she's hydrophobic. I, she could be. She could be. She could be a shit too afraid much, of water. Too much dihydrogen yeah. monoxide can kill it's you. It's dangerous. You could drown in it. It could kill you. Yeah. So she starts saying, no, no, we don't want your water. Get out of here. You're not allowed here. My tax dollars tell me I am. It was a public space. It's a public space. But they didn't have it reserved, I don't think. No, of course no. they okay. didn't. Um, so we respect them, though, and we leave. Now, I will say, for the majority of folks, when you just say, hey, would you like a water? It's hot today. You, we want you to stay hydrated. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for offering the water. In fact, one of the lead people, one of the main women in charge of REN, uh, Women's Reproductive Empowerment Network, whatever it is, uh, I gave her a water. She was mm -hmm. very grateful. She, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So that's a normal response. Then we go to this response, and it continues because there was a lot of confusion yesterday about what exactly – the committee was doing, where they were doing it, and why they were doing it. So some folks who were Planned Parenthood protesters, Dave, came up to you and I, started asking questions. Right. So when, when you're at the State House and you've been involved, <laughs> you kind of know what's going on. You right. kind of know how things are going to happen and how things are going to run down. And when So there are a lot of folks with a lot of questions. Are, are we all going to be able to testify? When there are six, seven, eight hundred people at the State House and you've got six hours of testimony and each of them takes about five minutes, you can do the math on this one really quick and find out you're not going to listen or hear from everybody. And that was okay because there was a real good mix of people sure, who sure. got to share their, their ideas, share their thoughts, share their testimony. But when a group of folks come up and start asking, you know, what's actually going on? How is this going to be working? And we just, out of our understanding of what's going on, start explaining it to them. This particular councilwoman turned around and said, you can stop preaching to them now. To which I said, if I was preaching to them, that would be one thing. But they have questions that you don't have answers for, and we do. So we're gonna let them know what's going on today. And she then turned around and sent two other people over just to listen to the rest of our conversation, which was explaining how the process of the day was going to work. It was deploying the minions, and, and then on top of that, and I use that term loosely, looking forward to seeing the new movie. You Pretty get to, good, you, I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear it. You get to the point then where I have a woman, older, much older than I, 
said, well, why aren't they having the hearing over there? And she points to the actual state house. And I said, ma'am, they don't have committee hearings in the state house. They never have, and I'm going to put a dollar to a donut that they never will. They have committee hearings in the office buildings where the committee rooms are, to which the natural response was, well, they don't want to have it in the state house because, and she was starting to get a little angry because they know what would happen. And I'm thinking, would you insurrect? <laughs> um, but, but the simple fact is, folks, when you, when you talk to people, and this is why we do this, to shape the Palmetto State, not only from a biblical worldview, that's our main point, Mitch, but we're also trying to make sure people are informed because I'm going to be completely honest with you. Today is Honesty Day. You will not We've get a never been honest with you never before. never before until right now. <laughs> you will not find a comprehensive breakdown of that committee hearing anywhere else in this state no, outside of because a few avenues. Well, so this was a six-hour, seven-hour hearing. Yeah, we're sitting there listening to it for the sole intent of ensuring that you know what's going on. I could have spent my day a lot differently yesterday without listening to some of the testimony. So if I could break down what happened outside, the entirety of what happened outside, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some things closer to the block building. First is fear. There, there are those out there that want to peddle fear. They want to scare you to death. They want to make sure that you are frightened enough that you'll listen to everything that they have to say. And that's not our angle here. We want you to get a wide variety of sources. Don't just listen to us. Listen to other people around the state so that you don't live in what I would call the second problem, and that's an echo chamber. And a lot of people live mm -hmm. on natural assumptions. Yeah. The lady outside of the state house pointing at that building, you should have the hearing there. Why? Because you should have the hearing there. You should stop preaching. Why? Because you're preaching. She was assuming what you were doing without ever truly listening to what you were saying. Now, there are those of you listening right now that would consider listening to the opposing side dangerous. And it may just be dangerous enough for you to actually do. You need to listen to other people and understand what they have to say so that you're not afraid of them because fear is crippling and assumptions are dangerous. That's what I'll say was the overarching theme of the outdoor side of this, maybe even a little bit of the indoor, of the driving indoor. fear and making assumptions. You people don't have a clue what you're doing. You don't even belong up there. You're not doctor. All of this fear and assumptions and, and it's dangerous and I think it's led us down some of the road to where we are today. Well, you talk about the echo chambers there. At first, it was very quiet, and I was kind of shocked how quiet it was around the block building. Yeah. Um, but then as more people showed up, as it got closer to 11 o'clock, as the, as shockingly enough, as the temperature started to rise on the old thermometer, right? Which was already at 92 yeah. when with, we with, got there. With 130 like million. With 130% <laughs> humidity. Yeah. So you're outside of the building now, and we're going to show you two clips. These are the tried and true. If there are mantras, right? So in, in, in the Christian church, we have different creeds, right? Sure. We right. have the Nicene Creed. We the have apostles. the Apostles' yep. Creed, etc., etc., etc. We're talking about religion at this point because there are certain credos, there are certain mottos, right? E pluribus unum? Nah. While I breathe a hope? <laughs> nah. We're not doing that. In God, I, in God we trust. In yeah. God we nah. trust. Nah. nah. We're definitely not doing that for these people. These are the things we heard the most, and, and on your screen right now, here are back-to-back -back what we heard outside of the state. And a little bit of a disclaimer before he plays them. If you hear something that offends you, sorry, this is not us talking. So no. Yeah, we, yeah, we can't edit anything this is, out here. This is just reality. We want you to experience it as it yeah. was. My, 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 my,
separation of church. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I you take know. you to a letter from uh, the Danbury Baptist in Jefferson in October of, never mind. That's beside the point. Here's the thing. When you, when you shout it enough and actually somebody says this in the committee testimony period, uh, a person who is actually pro-abortion you said this, that if, if you guys say this enough, people will begin to believe you. And I thought... You're right. Absolutely <laughs> the case. I mean, when you think about, we have bumper sticker politics right now. Yes. We do. Separation of church and state. My body, my choice, my, my, vo my, my voice. voice. Uh, it get, rhymes, so it matters. Get your bands off my body. Oh, uh, that, was a, that was a new one. With this, the red hands. With red hands. With the red hands. And so it is so easy mm -hmm. to get caught up in these little, th these little catchphrases. Sure. And, you know, we had a conversation uh, yesterday talking about the fact that these catchphrases can lose their meaning when you step back from them a while mm -hmm. like, you know we as america in the turn of the century last century believed the concept that separate but equal was constitutional in america that we thought that having a white water fountain and a colored water fountain were okay and we believed that mm -hmm. as a culture yeah. yeah until we realized wait this isn't the case at all. It's, yeah. And it's the same Wait, argument. It's, it's the same argument that when you think about it from this standpoint, what are the phrases that you hear when it comes to the issue of abortion? A woman's right to choose. 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 That's right. My body, my choice. You know. Bands off my right? body. body. Right. And so all of these things, it's, oh, abortion is health care. That's yeah. the... That's the well, now we're also hearing, and, and Dave, we can add one more to this. We're about to get into the testimonies. Miscarriages misabortions is what they're calling them now yes they're conflating the two and we're efforting if you know somebody who has had to uh by doing uh women's care has has dealt with miscarriages has have dealt with these different issues with women if you know of a doctor we're trying to effort to get somebody on the show with us to really help us understand because they're not the same thing you might use somewhat of the same types of procedures, but right. they are not the There's same. There's one thing. glaring difference between the two, and I'm just going to be very transparent. It's one word. It's called life. life. So uh, for those of you that are wondering what the difference between an abortion and a DNC is, it's not your body. It's not your choice. There's a life living inside of you during an abortion. During a DNC or a miscarriage, there's a reason for that. It's because the baby that was living inside of you, I'll never forget the day that the sonographer and then the, the doctor told my wife and I that our baby had no longer had a heartbeat. I'll never forget that. No. There's a difference. Life, no life, period, full stop, end of discussion. So we go inside the committee room, and again, we talked about this on Monday. This committee, 12 members. I'll leave that or alone for the, people, for the people who read some local news. Uh, 12 members. There were 12. There were 12. <laughs> and widely represented views, as we talked about, there are seven different colors of the Republican rainbow inside, <laughs> right. the, in, inside the South Carolina House of Representatives. They hear testimony three minutes, and actually Chairman McCravey was on the ball with keeping them short, oh, yeah. but he was, he was gracious yes. in giving them a little bit more time to finish their point. He didn't just cut them off in the middle of a sentence. He would let them finish their point, but try to keep things moving. I thought he did a great job running he that really committee did. yesterday. There was only one question from a committee member. We'll get to that later because it was a great moment in the, in the room. But we start with this one, and we're going to show you this on your screen. Here she is on the screen. Uh, this is her beginning portion, but we're going to talk you through this as to what's going on. What you're going to see here in this one is 
if you outlaw abortion, I need you to fund all the social welfare programs that I think are okay, and then we can have a conversation. I am aghast at what is little more than political theater on a work day in the middle of the week requiring the citizens participation to take off from work and life in order to be to be present and purportedly participate in a democratic process her testimony goes on for the full three minutes and and as you said representative mccravey allowed her to finish mm -hmm. out her thought but she gave us a laundry list of all of the social issues that need to be addressed and taken care of. Problems with education, problems with foster care, and they're all true issues that need to be addressed and dealt with. But what, what we heard more than anything else, and this is an argument that you hear quite often, is y'all are pro-birth, you're not pro-life. Right. Because all you care about is the baby getting born, and after that you really don't care. And that was really, I think, where she was trying to go. Yeah. Because I kept going, okay, get, get to the point, what, what's your point? And her point really was, here's my long list of complaints. And in that long list of complaints, it became apparent that it is the government's responsibility to solve all of the social ills that are out there. And it takes away personal responsibility sure. for doing the things that need yep. to be done that you have the ability, your church has the ability to do within your local community. Assumptions are made. People are going to make assumptions. It, they're going to complain. Listen, it was hot yesterday. But if we'd have done this in November, guess what? It would have been cold. If we did it on a Saturday, guess what? People would be complaining about their weekend being taken. We can't do it on a Sunday because we're still South Carolina. So if we do it during the weekday and we do it on a night, we could go on and on and on at nauseum. Literally, I would vomit. The ridiculousness I of did yesterday. The, <laughs> outside because it was hot. No, uh, watching, uh, watching <laughs> the testimony. Okay, yeah. there, there's just so much to unpack here, but it's all assumption based. And it, no one's listening to the other side. And again, I want to make the point: every committee meeting and every testimony period, we saw it with the Save Women Sports Bill, happens on a weekday during, during the, the day. day. Because guess what? That's what the committee's there for. And, ju and just for clarification, are... we don't have a full-time legislature. No, we do not. They have, uh, to put it strangely, they have real lives outside of this. They have yeah. real jobs. They have they real families and own right. businesses. So not to cut you off. No, but... it's the point because we're, we're having this conversation as if, as if <clears throat> I'm just, <laughs> come in with me. The evil, <laughs> evil Republicans are hiding in the black of night in the middle of the day in South Carolina yeah, with a public hearing. They are allowing you to inform their decisions about what they're going to do with abortion in our state. It's a threat to democracy! <laughs> because these people don't pay attention. And when you don't pay attention the other five months of the legislative session, things like this, because it's more emotionally charged, and like I told a woman yesterday, you were there, well, I understand that you have a a very very vested interest in this subject but it doesn't change the fact that this subject in the eyes of the government is treated the same way in the same process as the budget yeah it's all the same in terms of the process it's what we do now that was one anti-pro-life 
I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna coin a phrase. Um, <laughs> anti pro life. Anti like anti capitalistic yeah. government. Yeah. And now we go to a story from a young girl. We had heard this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Her her testimony, right out of the gate, she hit them. She hit the committee members by immediately talking about her own story when it comes to abortion. Speaker and ladies and gentlemen of the committee. My name is Annie Hesselgrave. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm here to testify that we as women do not need abortion. My birth mother was shocked and possibly disappointed when I took my first breath because I survived an abortion by induction. At six months pregnant, she went to the hospital for her labor to be induced. Abortions by induction were done, most commonly at that time where I was born, done by using drugs like oxytocin and to bring on early labor. The abortion failed and I was born three months before that pregnancy would come to term. I was born three months premature and I weighed only three pounds. My birth mom did not see my life as valuable. Do you? Do you see my life as valuable? Because of my size, I was small and unable to be seen by the naked eye. I was less developed than a newborn baby or even a young child, but our society does not place value on development of a human. I was in a different environment, but how does where you are determine what you are or your value? So does where you are determine what you are? Mm. That was a great concept, and it's really interesting when you look at this aspect of it because for so many people and we had a conversation justin uh out out in the uh out on the lawn mm -hmm. uh, with with some folks and they're like it's not a person until they have breath mm. one of the protesters was like they're not breathing yet and, and we're gonna hear a testimony in just a little while from a woman who's who uses dictionary definitions of life to say you're just wrong that's not a life it's not a person and she starts to define those things. We're, we'll talk about that in a little bit more. But I thought the part that was so good about this is when we got there, I was like, this is a 75-25 split because <laughs> Planned Parenthood has they, rustled up a lot yeah. of people. They mm -hmm. flood the zone. They, they, they flooded. They, 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 but, I, but, you know, by God's grace, it was a very even discussion in that committee room. There were folks who are pro-life. There are people who are pro-abortion. And it was a very good balance that those 12 committee members got to hear from. Different perspectives, different ways of looking at things. And, and it really, if, if there's ever considered to be a threat to democracy, as AOC has said, other people have said, the Supreme Court's decision was a threat to democracy. If you want to know what a threat to democracy is, it's not allowing your voice to be heard. Mm -hmm. When the Supreme Court made a decision and they took this and said, you know what, we're no longer going to have jurisdiction over this, not because we don't want it, but because constitutionally we can't have it. It put it back, according to the 10th Amendment, to the states and to the people. So of all of the members of state legislatures across America, 7,383 of them, and 50 governors, and the millions of people across America you actually have a chance to have your voice heard on these arguments. And that's what Thursday was at the State House. Yeah, Thursday right. at the State House was let your voice be heard. And that was why 
testimony, story after story after story, was so important for those 12 members who were going to be writing that legislation to actually hear from people. And that's why we're breaking this down. This is going to be a little bit longer of edition because we're showing these testimonies to you pretty much in full. We're doing as best we can to give you the full story. This one, this next one, an, another pro-life stance. You're talking about someone who, Pastor Tony Foster, who, who we know very well from, right. from Greenwood, testified as well, uh, dealing with the race angle mm. when it comes to abortion. And this young lady uh, had a phenomenal story and, inc and included one of the crisis pregnancy centers or the pregnancy care centers yeah. in our state. Or hello, House members, may I say. Um, thank you for the opportunity to speak to every one of you guys. I'm so, so, so very grateful. As I've stated earlier, I'm Carolyn, and I live here in Columbia, South Carolina, born and raised in New Orleans, Seven Ward. Today, I am speaking on behalf of the unborn babies in the womb and women who find themselves in the same position I was in, same position. I was 18 years old when I found that I was pregnant. I had nothing. My child's father had left and went to the military. I had no GED, no college degree, and no support. I grew up in foster care. Um, I was alone, afraid, and sought out to abort my son. My own biological brother told me that abortion was the best decision for me. So I listened to my brother. I also listened to society and society's lies. I was told by Planned Parenthood that the abortion was to be around $600. Before I made that decision, I wanted to see what other help was out there since I couldn't afford the $600. Daybreak pregnancy was the center I went to in my, in my crisis. I was loved and so was my unborn baby. I had the courage to keep my son despite the trials I knew I would face. Society would, would like to tell us that we can't be successful as a low-income teen mom. This is a lie that we have been forced to accept for way too long. When I was eight months pregnant, I got my GED and I started college. Next summer, I will graduate with my nursing degree. God has given me and my son support, and we are making it despite the trials and tribulations. I would like to ask all of you to please, please, please advocate for the unborn as they don't have a voice to advocate for themselves. And I would also like to advocate for women who are told that they have no other choice because of where they're at. I have a few questions for you guys for, from a lot of the lies that I've been, you know, faced with. You know, women, women say that they want to abort their kids because they will end up in the foster care system. So what is the resolution to that? Kill them? Women say that they want to abort their kid because of rape. I've been raped. So what do we do? Take another innocent life because their innocence was taken? I, I know you guys heard earlier, uh, 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 you know, as a black woman, we were sterilized. We were not able to have kids. And I, and I, I'm wrapping up, but I would, I, I, would, I would just like to say we are now advocating for something that they once took away from us, which is to have kids. I would like to leave that with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. 
she mentions guys getting services at daybreak and you know funny how it goes uh, tomorrow we'll be releasing a special Saturday conversation with Eddie Benton from daybreak talking about the services they offer before the road decision yeah. after this new road decision overturning it and how they wrap around and help yeah. these women because you had a great <clears throat> sit-down conversation yeah. I, I had the privilege of being on the board with daybreak yeah. for six years uh, and and Eddie was our chairman of the board for the for the majority of the time that I was there but he's now executive director and your conversation with him really kind of spelled out where our crisis or, or pregnancy care centers right. across South Carolina, where they're gonna be going. Yeah, so they have wraparound services, not just for women in need, but also for the entire family. They have maternal support, they have post-abortive care for women who have gone through abortions and need that help. There are 26 of them around the state, and if you need help right now, if, you, if by chance, by God's grace, you're watching this and you're pregnant and considering whether or not you should carry that life, connect with one of those 26. You can reach out to us we'll connect you with one of those 26 care pregnancy centers across the state they're there they're ready they want to help you to provide the hope that you need right now awesome conversation that you'll get to see tomorrow with director eddie benton of daybreak we also heard from testimony from his colleague and, and one of our board yeah. members alexa newman outstanding uh, and, and she really helped to help the committee members understand what other services are being provided. And I think that's such an important thing when you begin to realize, because we've heard this argument too, well, there's so many of these pregnancy care centers everywhere. <laughs> they outnumber Planned Parenthood. Elizabeth they need Warren. To. Elizabeth, yeah, Elizabeth Warren, Warren says in, in Massachusetts, pregnancy care centers, these, these spreaders of misinformation, outnumber abortion clinics three to one, and that just can't stand. Maybe play we that. should have can, them can we play that? We can one. play that. Here's, let's, let's, here's Elizabeth Warren talking about that right now. Senator Warren also taking aim at pregnancy crisis centers. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. She says women walk into the centers believing they'll get abortions. Instead, they try to talk women out of it. She calls it a bait and switch. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. It is unbelievable to me how when communities come together to meet the needs yeah. of local communities, our, our, nation, like our nationalized federal government does not want that to happen. I think the thing that hurt me the most yesterday was listening to a woman who was, was pro-abortion talking about the fact, well, there's just gonna be too many kids now and, and they're going to end up being wards of the state. Life is always a good thing. Right. Period. And, and there, yeah. there are so many places where people have bought into a very simple but damning, damning yeah. lie. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> buying into a, a lie. The vice governor. <laughs> the Democratic nominee for governor made an appearance yesterday. I saw him walking up, and it was like, <laughs> A Hollywood starless. Stop, 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 Justin. I got a fist bump. Did you? I got a fist bump. And then I went and Oh, I don't know if I want that or not. I bumped Whoa. Dave's fist. So by osmosis, Dave also got a fist bump. I haven't fist bumped Dave since. watching this so again. So, so the vi we call him the vice governor because... He's the governor he's of vices. the governor of vices. A legalized Or at least governor gambling. wannabe of vices. Governor wannabe of vices. <laughs> legalized sports gambling. Legalized medical marijuana. Who knows the floodgates that will open? And oh, oh, abortion on demand. I like so, Beto Beto. 
Beach Beto. Beach Beto. Beach Beto. Beto is really good. Yeah. Representative Caskey. So <laughs> what we're talking about here as he makes his way into the committee room, and, and again, he was allowed to go in before the, before the unwashed masses because he's a former congressman. So he goes in, and he's wearing a nice suit. I'm, I'm looking at it on our screen right here. We have a screen over here, by the way, to the right that we're referencing today. If you ever today. see us, looking, see over us there, looking over there. He's wearing a nice suit. He's got the hair really well done. Here's did, did he pull out his pen? He didn't pull out his pen. Dang it. Beto so hard. So that's a shirt. You can find it somewhere, I'm assuming, at Is Goodwill. It his merch. Uh, it's a yeah. Goodwill. Um, so... On his concert he, tour, he—I'm uh, sorry, sir. Uh, I'll, no, I'll, you're not. I'll make a mea culpa when you become governor. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> he gives his testimony yesterday, and I've never seen a political candidate who has to keep referencing his paper as much as he does. It's astounding. I think the chairman almost laughed at him. Um, just, just catch this, and and here's the next person who is going to fail to be governor. Morning, Mr. Chair, members of the committee, or afternoon. It's been a long day already. Um, I'm Joe Cunningham, former congressman and Democratic nominee for governor. This body is meeting today to do something wholly un-American, to rip away our rights. Now, earlier this week, we celebrated Independence Day, when this country fought back against an oppressive government because we recognized that every human being has an unalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I just have to light, right to life. life and, and I have to stop. We're gonna get, we're gonna continue watching, but I don't know how in the world you can, with a straight face, turn around and say the your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and not recognize life here. <laughs> Once again, I have to explain it this way, and I know we're a lot tongue-in-cheek. He lives in an echo chamber. He, do, well. he lives in a, in a closed-off portion of society in some silo, and he doesn't believe the life of the baby in the womb. He only cares about the life of the mother carrying it. They are mutually exclusive. One wife is carrying another, period. Yet those who claim to love freedom are here today to take away just that from South Carolina women. Thousands of women die in our state each year due to their complicated pregnancies. And that's because we, and that's even before we instituted a draconian ban that forces more women to undergo pregnancy against their will. In this committee's quest to protect life, you're stripping that God-given right to life away from women. You're taking away their personal liberty by removing their right to privacy and the right to decide what happens to their very own bodies. And we're already seeing what happens with these measures in other states. Just last week in Ohio, a 10-year-old rape victim was forced to travel to another state to, to obtain an abortion because she was six weeks and three days pregnant. At the age of 10, this little girl is not old enough to vote. She's not old enough to hold a job. She's not old enough to have a bank account, yet she was told that she was old enough to become a mother. But it's not just little girls. Women are not receiving timely care for fetal anomalies or ectopic pregnancies because freedom-loving legislators have taken away the physician's freedom to practice evidence-based medicine. 
You know, even women who are on medications for common diseases like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis cannot access their life-saving medication because it's considered an abortive fashion. The Declaration of Independence states that governments derive their powers from the consent of the governed. So I want to close with a quote from a letter to the, by the United States Legislators of America sent to President Biden in objection to vaccine mandates. What does consent of the governed actually mean? If we the people are being forced to make a medical decision against our own volition, then these actions are no longer about consent. They're about force. Unnecessary force that has bypassed our humanity. Now, many of you signed on to these exact words last fall. And if you have an ounce of integrity, you'll stand by those words now and stand up for the freedom of women to decide what happens to their very own bodies. I'm happy to address any questions if there are any. Thank you for your testimony. I yield back. Thank you. Hey, I have something very important to say. Never mind. I yield my time back to you, Justin. Is that, um, <laughs> when, he said, when he said, I yield back, I'm not threatening violence, but I wanted to punch my computer because that was, that was such an awful attempt. The current governor tells much better jokes. It, it was awful. And sometimes when you hear people speak, you hear how disingenuous they are. This man is just trying to get your vote. And he's a politician, kind of what he does. Sure, I'll give you that. But he's not knowledgeable on this issue. He's been lied to, and now he's lying to the masses about what what people's rights are. But we did hear from the teachers yesterday. Uh, our next our next uh, testimony comes from a teacher. You need to read the dictionary for you to understand. I'd suggest the Constitution, but we'll see. I feel a need to give to this committee a little information of science and meaning that you have forgotten. To ban abortion by professing a false claim that a fertilized egg is a person or life is not a fact. Where is your documentation that a fertilized egg is a person or its life? Can anyone bring forth that documentation to me now? I know by repeating a false claim that a fertilized egg is a person or life, many times, when you repeat it many times, people will believe it, and you know it. That's why you have been doing it for decades. Because people will not do the research for themselves. But today, I hope you and this audience will come forth with the truth. A fertilized egg is not a person. You even introduced a bill called the personhood bill. I thought for sure you would do your research for calling in experts, doctors and scientists and science professors for making such a false claim. But you didn't. I did. Following the sperm penetration, a series of events set the stage for the first cell division. This embryo is called a zygote. Not a person. Look it up. I did. 
Over the course of the next seven days, the human embryo undergoes multiple cell divisions, a process called mitosis. At the end of the transition period, the embryo becomes a mass of a very organized cell's blastocytes. Nowhere in the nine-month term of pregnancy, in any stage of development, it is called a person. Look it up. I did. Look it up. I did. <laughs> been there. Done that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this woman has ever been pregnant before. Ever. I don't know. So I'm not going to make an assumption. I'd be scared if she were my grandma. She, I would be too. It's like I would never get a popsicle. Ever. Ever. You're not a person. Look it up. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I saw <laughs> pictures of you one time. You're, you're a hellion, but yeah. Anyway, that's... But, but here's the, here's the, here's the argument this is that what she, I have to deal with all the time. <laughs> the thing that really got me was when she starts talking about the fact that there's no, you have to have growth and you have to have movement. And I'm sitting there going, have you ever been pregnant? Have you ever seen what happens with a baby? You know, my wife and I have been blessed to have 10 children. Ten. You go into the 20 the week ultrasound and what yeah. do they do? They measure the baby. And then if they have to go back in and do it, they measure the baby again to look for, to look for what? To look for growth. So, uh, and so, when, so, but I mean, her argument, I mean, I forget, look it up. I did, uh, been there, done that. Right. He's got the t-shirt, 10 of them actually. Um, there's this book. Actually, that, I wore the same t-shirt every time. <laughs> every time. It's a smart. lucky t-shirt. It is. Cheaper uh, that way. Yeah. There's a there's a book, and every uh, pregnant mom or who has had a child is screaming right now, what to expect when you're expecting. And there's an app for it now. You don't actually have to use the book. And every week, uh, every week you get an update, and the update says your baby is now the size of well, a blank, uh, a peanut, or a grapefruit, or uh, you know, a watermelon, or a Mack truck. I don't know because near the I end of the pregnancy, not want to be there for the birth of the Mack truck. Near the end of the pregnancy, every every mother. Others like get this thing out. It's huge. Uh, anyway, you, trust me, you'll get to see. I'm looking at this. <laughs> you'll get to experience this one day. Uh, so there. Guess what? Even in what to expect when you're expecting, there's signs of growth, growth. because it's a person it's and a human and life. When you when you sit there and you watch an ultrasound and you see you see your heart the heartbeat. You yeah. see a baby moving. Wow. You see hands going up. You're, you're so able, cool. The child is able to yeah. suck his or her thumb. They're moving around. They're taking in amniotic fluid, and yep. they're, they're going through a breathing process to develop their lungs. These are things that wait, go they, on. Wait, they breathe? They do. So? It's just not air yet. But, but they do breathe. They, they do. You can watch their lungs. That's, that's how it works. But, but I was told yesterday that they don't breathe in the womb. But that's, it's all about the new definitions. So... Speaking of new definitions, <laughs> our next young lady, and I don't want to pick on the children. She's 18. She's an adult. This young lady, I believe, has gone to the Greta Thunberg School of how to speak to elected officials, which is just, how dare how, you? How dare you? How dare you do this? How dare you? We're all going to die. How dare you? This young lady, woefully misinformed about bio biology, Scripture, the theology. theology, life. Here she is. Um, letting me know that, hey, we might be assaulted today. 
My name is Abigail Bearwald. My mom was just up here. Um, I was the first of those two and a half children. And I would just like to inform you guys that an abortion is defined as the medical assistance of the removal of a fetus, whether dead or alive. So that baby's dead, it's still considered an abortion. And there are many doctors already in America who are very concerned to give people that life-saving procedure done because they're scared that they will be arrested, that their HIPAA laws will be violated, and that they will then face murder charges for something that is not murder. For Christians out there, I am also a Christian. I do believe in God. I do believe he is my savior, and I do not believe that he will send us to hell, for Jesus did die for our sins. Therefore, there will be no judgment. There will be no burning in hell, for we, all are, we are all saved in his eyes. So your argument is illegitimate. I would also like to point out that Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. For you to be alive, you must breathe. And you cannot do that in the womb. I would also like to inform you that I am very upset that I even have to bring God into this because we have something called the separation of church and state. I'm 18 and I know this. And I'm 18 and terrified to live in this country and even more terrified to live in this state. A couple things. She's 18. I'm glad that you're 18 and you understand the separation of church and state. Because hear, is, is, it, is it, I'm sorry, ma'am. Is the separation of church and state in the room with us right now? Here's the thing, and I am willing to put this. I have, I have put $1,000 <laughs> personally. I will bring out $1,000 when you show me in the Constitution, constitution. the separation of church and state. I'll write it in. I, <laughs> <laughs> pull out your Seriously, Dave at palmettofamily.org. Send me where in the Constitution the separation of church and state pretty bold. is. Dave, Dave can I give him a hint? No. Okay. You have to earn this thousand bucks. You have to earn the thousand. Because, or you can watch, or you can watch future episodes of the greatest, uh, the fastest growing conservative podcast. The greatest, the, and the greatest. <laughs> the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina to find out where to get that thousand dollars. You will, you will find the separation of church and state. Never mind. So, so there's one final thing we want to get to today. One final thing we want to get to today. And and I would encourage you to go back and watch the committee hearing. It's important that you do so. We've probably got about seven to ten days before they meet again publicly. July 19th. July 19th. you got time. you got about 12 days. Here's, the, here's what I would encourage you to do. Go back and watch it. we got one final point. A doctor, um, white coat, seems smart, seems knowledgeable. She keeps mentioning the heartbeat law that we're discussing. I, I, I didn't know we were discussing a heartbeat law. She also references, a, I was driving yesterday and I told them that at one point I was sitting at a stoplight and I just yelled, there is no bill. And the guy beside me in traffic was really <laughs> confused because they kept saying, this woman kept saying, this bill, this bill would make it harder. This thing, what you're writing in this bill would make it harder for doctors to give care. And finally, I assume that Representative Magnuson had just had enough. After hearing this multiple times yesterday from multiple doctors, he finally heard this statement and had just had enough. Here's his question. Thank you. I Mr. appreciate Chairman, it. May I ask a a quick question. Um, yes. I think something needs to be uh, asked here. I, I hear a lot of, the te as the testimony has gone on today, about uh, legislation that would harm uh, the, the, the medical care to a pregnant woman. 
Yes, sir. And and especially if the woman's life is in danger. Yes, sir. Um, could you point me to what legislation that is? Because as far as I'm aware, every pro-life bill uh, carves out the life of the mother as an exception, and some specifically say, many, most of them specifically say that ectopic pregnancies, miscarriages are not considered abortion. Uh, you mentioned the fetal heartbeat bill. The fetal heartbeat bill specifically states uh, that any uh, that a medical procedure by any reasonable medical judgment is designed to uh, intended or intended to prevent the death of a pregnant woman or to prevent the serious risk of a substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function of the pregnant woman that that is not applicable that the provisions of the language don't apply so i'm curious what legislation are we referring to when we talk about uh, hurting the ability to remove an ectopic pregnancy or a miscarriage i appreciate you bringing that up and i would like to point out that there have been three now four abgyn physicians today to speak and the first two that you heard from want you to make all abortions unthinkable and illegal. I want you to know that the consequence to me, and I should not be centering myself in this argument, but the consequence to me, a practicing OBGYN physician who is not an abortion provider, is that if I make the wrong decision, if I have to decide between the standard of care if I don't perform that, I could get sued. If I do perform the standard of care, which to save the life of the mother, um, I would terminate a pregnancy. Physicians can't always agree on that. And what I risk is two years in prison, a felony, a $10,000 fine, and the loss of my entire career. If you think that that's not gonna cause me to pause for just a moment before I counsel that woman, you're crazy. My family is important. I've worked hard for my career and I shouldn't have to give it up to do the right thing to take care of my patients. So a, a moment of pause might be needed, but my only question was, was, is there legislation you can point to that does what you're saying? And I'm hearing that, that there's not. So I appreciate your answer. Thank you. I would point out that any time it causes a doctor to pause before they provide you the care that they know is right, that women's morbidity and mortality is going to increase, and that blood will be on your hands. Thank you. All right. Every doctor has to go through some level of ongoing, continuing education mm -hmm. to maintain their license. They go through classes that update them on what the law actually says. You need to understand what the law is before you start doing certain things. Why do you have to take the driver's test? Why do you have to study the laws? So that when you get out there, you understand what, what it means. And this is a place where the look on her face when she's you know, given the opportunity, what law prohibits you from being able to carry out the care that your patients need? You need to understand what those things are before you step foot and, and you do the work that needs to be done. But at the same time, she did not understand that every single time that we have had this, the, the life of the mother has been incorporated into the entire discussion. 
and as Representative Magnuson pointed out, ectopic pregnancies uh, have, have been a carve out. Miscarriages have been labeled not abortions. Right. These things are very clear. Once again, life, no life. It's, it, and the law well, carves and, it out. And that was where we talked about this earlier. They completely conflated those mm-hmm. issues. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They, did. They, they were coming up with new terminology. It was a misabortion. Yes. Instead of a miscarriage. And abortions are important for women who already have children in case they get pregnant and don't want to have another child. In Which w- that would be considered – that's considered birth control? Yes. Yes. Not the, the health using, of the mother. Using abortion I'll, as birth control. I'll use right. the words of one of your heroes, Michael Moles. Words matter. And what you're seeing from the pro-abortion crowd right now is a concerted effort, a purposeful attempt – to hijack words. Well, that's what they do. Miscarriage, right. miscarriage. No, it's a misabortion. Uh, all these kinds of things. They're moving toward taking your words from they, you. They, right. they, they shift the goalposts. They yep. shift the way you view language. Because when we don't speak the same language, we'll never come to a consensus, and we might as well be living in different worlds. Welcome back to right. the Tower of Babel. And I think and I think we really saw that yesterday in this mm-hmm. committee. We wanted to get to Richland School District 2 today. We're not going to be able to. This <laughs> has already run very long because oh. of the testimonies. But please, 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 please be with us again on Tuesday of next week when we really start diving into what's happening inside Richland School District 2 in Richland County when it comes to woke ideology being perpetuated by the district itself. In fact, this is breaking. I saw this today as of recording on Friday morning. Uh, they've released a, they've released an email to their staff letting people know that they aren't going to give guest access anymore to search their library records or yep. search their library catalogs because of the uh, attempts to try to extract information from the district. I'll send that to you. I see that caught you off guard. So yeah. there's a lot that's happening inside the schools we want you to understand that these aren't red herrings. I was told that I was told that life of the mother and other things yesterday are red herrings for people wanting to push regulations on abortion. Stop. Get out of here. Here's what we're doing. Making sense of what's going on in that committee room, making sense of what the testimony said, sure, we can have some fun with it, but at the end of the day, you need to know both sides of the argument, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, Mitch, because you need to be a well-rounded individual. You need to know what the other side is saying when a, when when the FBI trains the counterfeit the counterfeit money folks when they when they look service, at counterfeit yeah. Yeah, when they when they look at counterfeit bills guess what they don't study the counterfeit bills all 27,000 of them they study the original one mm-hmm. they study the real bill so they know it backwards and forwards and they can spot a fake from a mile away that's what you need to be doing analyzing every single argument you can to be better prepared to argue your biblical Because that is exactly what they're doing. They are taking what arguments that we have been putting forth and they are trying to turn them. Yes. Mm-hmm. They are trying to use, they're, they're starting to use our language. When, you're, when, when a state senator steps up on the well and she says, everybody here is pro-life, y'all are just pro-birth, mm-hmm. she's taking on a label that for us means one thing, and trying to make everybody feel this. It is not unlike what we have seen in Washington. It's not unlike what we've tried to see in the, the White House recently and things that we've talked about <laughs> right. in previous podcasts. This is a time and a place for you to know and understand what you think, what you believe, why you believe it, and have all of that behind you so that when the arguments get thrown at you, you know how to respond. Thank you for trusting us as a reliable resource to make sure that you know what the issues are 
what you need to know about them, what the Bible says, and then ultimately what you can do about them. And that's the purpose not only of this podcast and what we do, but it's the purpose of what we do as a team at Palmetto Family Council. So as you watch the fastest growing uh, and greatest greatest conservative conservative (laughs) podcast here in the state of South Carolina, continually listen for those things that you need to improve on, that you need to become more well-rounded on. We're grateful for you and, and your courage to stand on your principles and your faith. We're grateful for many of you who testified yesterday, who went and did something uncomfortable to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing so. For those of you that submitted email testimony, thank you. And and from us, we wanna thank Radius Church here in Lexington for letting us use this space today. Find out where we're gonna be next on the next edition of the fastest growing and greatest conservative (laughs) podcast in the state of South Carolina. From Dave Wilson, Mitch Prosser, our entire team, At Palmetto Family, I'm Justin Hall. Have a great weekend.